And uh, I'm, I'm of the mind that, that we ought to take them on for support so that we can do a missions trip to Nova Scotia. Isn't that great? <laughs> Is that the wrong reason to take them on for support? I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I'm excited about what God's going to do there. Uh, in Nova Scotia and uh, Halifax there and uh, be in prayer for them. And then, of course, uh, last week with our revival and, uh, man, just thanking God for what he did through the revival and the souls that were saved and uh, hearts and lives that were touched and uh, just continuing to ask God to work. But, um, but I have to say, I am I'm glad to be able to be back uh, preaching on Wednesday nights and looking forward to this study. You can open your Bibles to the book of Micah, the book of Micah. And um, uh, I... Uh, I had a, uh, uh, this afternoon, I don't know, it was around 4 o'clock or something, Shane came into the office, and I was yawning, and he was yawning, and he's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I don't either. I, I think I need a cup of coffee. And uh, when, I, when I meant a cup of coffee, I meant like, you know, I have, a, I have a coffee cup, and usually I fill it about maybe a quarter or halfway. And uh, Shane decided to fill my coffee cup for me, which I appreciated, but he filled it to the brim. So I am wired tonight, right? And so I am ready to go, right? So um, if, uh, if you thought Brother Dignan was fast, uh, just wait till tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm not doing car wheels, all right? That's just, that's just not going to happen, right? That is not going to happen. Uh, I will tell you this. You can pray and pray and pray, and it's just not going to happen. It it's just not going to happen, right? More coffee, right? <laughs> More coffee. No, I'm sorry. Um, but man, I'm excited about this study, and uh, we've been going through the minor prophets. And uh, before before we started this series, going through the minor prophets, um, I, I've never really heard a lot of preaching through the minor prophets. I've heard verses picked out a little bit, but never book studies on the minor prophets. And um, you know, we'll we'll preach through the Gospels, and we'll preach through certain books of the Bible, but I'd never really uh, heard a lot through. I'm not saying they haven't been done, just I hadn't heard it. And so uh, we started going through the minor prophets and uh, just a, a really exciting to see uh, what God was doing during that time. And, uh, and, and so I kind of broke it up. The, the, the first series that we did, you guys didn't realize this, but this is actually starting a second series on the minor prophets. But the first series of minor prophets had to do with a certain time period. Did anybody catch that? It was a certain time period and a certain group of people. Anybody know who, who that first set of minor prophets that we dealt with, which would have been uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos? Uh, anybody have an idea? What group of people were those prophets primarily to? Anybody? Can anybody tell me? Nobody? Who? They were primarily to the northern tribes of Israel, the ten northern tribes, right? Um, and those uh, those books had to do with before the the northern tribes of Israel went into captivity, right? And so you have Hosea, you have Joel, you have Amos preaching and trying to really encourage Israel to repent, right? Um, and, and, and just God working and saying for Israel to repent. But then the next set, when we come to, we have uh, Micah uh, and the ones following through here, um, uh, Jonah's not really, but you have Micah, and then you have um, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk, and, and many of these all deal with a second group of people, and that is the southern kingdom, that is Judah, right? Um, and some of them 
have to do with before they go into captivity, and then some of them have to do with after they're actually in captivity. Okay? Um, and so we're starting this with the book of Micah. And of course, um, if, you, if you study, you'll find that uh, Micah was also a contemporary with another prophet during this time, um, whose book is a little bit larger than the book of Micah. In fact, his book is referred to as the Bible in miniature form. Does anybody know what book of the Bible that might be? You guys are on the ball. Man, you guys had coffee tonight too? That's great, yeah. Um, No, Isaiah is referred to as the Bible in miniature form because when you think about it, the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. And it's actually even broken down really similar. Uh, The first section that Isaiah deals with is 39 chapters long. And the Old Testament is 39 books long. And then the second half of Isaiah is 27 chapters. And the New Testament has 27 books, right? And so that's why it's referred to as the Bible in miniature, right? And uh, the book of Isaiah. So Micah and Isaiah are prophets during the same time period. And, uh, but we're going to focus on Micah uh, as we go through this series. Um, you say, are you ever going to preach the book of Isaiah? Ah, that's a, 66 chapters. How long do you think that would take me to get through 66 chapters? Right? Um, 70 years, maybe? I don't know. I, I, I don't, 66 chapters. Maybe like maybe my dad and Joel and I could tag team through it, right? You know, he gets two chapters, I get two chapters, Joel gets two chapters. You know, we could tag team through it, but that would be a very long study through the book of Isaiah. Um, but let's begin in Micah, the book of Micah. Has everybody found Micah yet? I, the, this whole time, I was just giving you time to find it. That's what I was doing, right? Because everybody's like, Micah, Micah, where is Micah, right? It's, uh, it's, it is in the Old Testament. Uh, it's one of the minor prophets, uh, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, right? And uh, so right after the book of Jonah, uh, we have the book of Micah. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Micah, chapter 1, verse number 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Moristhite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, right? So here we are. Micah is referring to the southern kingdom, right? Remember, the 12 tribes of Israel, they split. You have the northern tribes, which are the 10 tribes, and then the southern tribes, which are the two tribes, which is Judah and Benjamin, but it was mainly referred to as the, the, the southern kingdom was the kingdom of Judah, right? So which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem, So Samaria is the capital city of the northern kingdom. Jerusalem is the capital city of the southern kingdom. Hear, all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh from forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth and the mountain shall be molten under him and the valley shall be cleft as wax before the fire and as the waters that are poured down a steep place for the transgression of Jacob is all this and for the sins of the house of Israel what is the transgression of Jacob is it not Samaria and what are the high places of Judah 
Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as an heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard. And I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley and I will discover the foundations thereof. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces. And all the hires thereof shall be burned with the fire. And all the idols thereof will I lay desolate for she gathered it of the hire of an harlot and they shall return to the hire of an harlot. Therefore, I will wail and howl. I will go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable. For it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Declare ye it not at Gath. Weep ye not at all in the house of Aphra. Roll thyself in the dust. Pass ye away, thou inhabitant of Sapphire. Having thy shame naked, the inhabitant of Zanan came not forth in the morning of Beth Ezel and shall receive of you his standing. For the inhabitant of Maroth waited carefully for good, but evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. O thou inhabitant of Lachish, bind the chariot to the swift beast. She is the beginning of the sin to the daughter of Zion. For the transgressions of Israel were found in thee. Therefore shalt thou give presents to Moresheth Gath. The house of Achzib shall be a lie to the kings of Israel. Yet will I bring an heir unto thee, O inhabitant of Marisha. He shall come unto Adullam, the glory of Israel. Make thee bald and pull thee for thy delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle, for they are gone into captivity from thee. Now, I wanted to read the whole chapter because we're, we're going to be looking, of course, here at chapter 1, but I want us to just kind of get a sense of what's going through this. And I know uh, we mentioned we were going to be doing this, and some of you have already begun reading through the book of Micah. Well, I actually think that's just a, a great plan to do as we're getting ready to go through it. Man, go through and read it before. Uh, start studying it yourself uh, because it's, it's going to be great. But in Micah chapter 1, verse number 1, he says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Moristhite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So this evening, we're really just going to kind of set the foundation of what's taking place here uh, in the book of Micah. The name Micah, his name really is, the meaning of his name is just a really powerful uh, meaning, and we're going to see this throughout the book. But the name Micah means, who is like Jehovah? Who is like God? Think about that, right? What a name to have, Micah. Who is like Jehovah? There's nobody like Jehovah God. There's nobody like Jehovah God. And we're going to see that through the book of Micah because what happens with Judah, and of course we already know a little bit, but what happens? They start worshiping other gods. They start worshiping these other false gods. And God is saying, hey, just even in the prophet that I'm sending you to, think about his name. Who is like Jehovah? There's nobody like our God, right? Now, when you see here in verse number one, we see that Micah prophesied during the reign of three kings. The king of Jotham, or King Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And all of these kings were kings of Judah. Now, when we went through... um, uh, Amos, or when we went through uh, Hosea, Joel, and Amos, we, we kind of looked at all of the kings of the northern kingdom were all bad, every single one of them. There was not a good king among them, right? None of them were good. In the southern kingdom with Judah, we do find that there were some good kings, right? Some were bad, some were good. 
right? These three that we are mentioning here that Micah mentions, you have Jotham. Jotham was a good king. Ahaz was a wicked king. And then Hezekiah was a good king. And what's really fascinating about this is Jotham's son is Ahaz. And Ahaz's son is Hezekiah. Now think about that for a second. Jotham is a good king, but yet his son is evil. And Ahaz is an evil king, and yet his son, Hezekiah, is a good king. You say, well, you know, if, if, uh, if, if my kids would have been raised better, or if they would have been brought up in church, or, you know, maybe they would have turned out, wait a minute, it has nothing to do with that. Right Now, it's great if you have a Christian home and things, but can I say this morning or this evening, just because you're raising your children in a Christian home doesn't mean they're going to turn out well. You say, Pastor, are you trying to say my kids are going to be, turn out to be you know, wicked? Or, no, I'm just saying, just don't think, well, hey, we're a Christian home and we bring our kids to church, so that means they're going to turn out well. No, 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 not at all. That's why it, as parents, it's important that we put the effort and the work into helping to teach them and train them to love God so that they do turn out well, right? Just because, hey, just because Jotham was a good king doesn't mean that Ahaz, his son, is going to be a good king, right? And just because Ahaz, his son, or Ahaz was a wicked king doesn't mean that Hezekiah is going to be a wicked king, right? It has a lot to do with what we're learning, what we're teaching them, more than just who the parents are. Right, and so we find these three kings. Um, in fact, actually, um, this is this time period here is about sixty years between of time period between these three kings that Micah prophesies. So Micah is prophesying again, not the whole time, but in different different areas for over sixty years. He's prophesying during these three kings that are reigning. Um, what's really interesting is. Um, uh, and I was, t- I was talking to one of the guys before church. He's like, man, I've been reading through, and it's really interesting. I'm going through uh, the book of Kings, and I'm going through Chronicles, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing Amos, and I'm seeing Hosea, and I'm seeing a lot of these uh, minor prophets that we've been learning about, and I'm starting to see them in other parts of Scripture, right? Well, the same thing with Micah. Micah, uh, during this time, is actually mentioned even 100 years later after he's gone. In Jeremiah chapter 26, um, in verses 17 to 19, Jeremiah, who is, is during the, uh, Jeremiah is a prophet before the captivity and during the captivity, but Jeremiah refers back to the prophet Micah and how the prophet Micah prophesied what was going to happen under Hezekiah's reign. And so Jeremiah refers to him back in chapter 26, um, and then, um, uh, we see his prophecy referring back to when Micah was prophesying during the king Hezekiah, uh, which was in Second Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verses. Uh, sorry, Second Chronicles chapters twenty-nine through thirty-one. You have the reign of Hezekiah, and uh, and Micah during that time uh, was the uh, was the one of the prophets. Now, again, I want you to just kind of laying the the groundwork here of why God is sending Micah as a prophet to Israel. Look in chapter 2, verse number 1. Woe to them that devise iniquity, that work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Think about this. Micah is saying that that people are just constantly thinking of evil things. 
He said at night they're thinking about what can, they can do tomorrow that is evil. It's just constantly wicked, evil thoughts. In chapter 3, verse number 1, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? Watch this. Who hate the good and love the evil. Now notice this. Society had totally flip-flopped, right? And again, we're talking about the children of Israel. We're talking about the tribes of Judah. We're talking about God's chosen people here. And God had showed them what was right. God had given them the commandments and things, and they knew exactly what they were supposed to do. But instead, they said they hate the good, and they love the evil. Instead of hating the evil and loving the good, they had flipped it around. The Bible talks about that. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. In verse number five, watch what he says about the prophets. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. The, the prophets were leading the people away from God that bite with their teeth and cry peace. And he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. The, the prophets are crying peace. And God says, I didn't say there was going to be peace. The prophets are saying, hey, this is what God has said. And God says, I didn't say those words. I didn't say that. Um, If you go down to verse number 11, the heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire. You know what the the prophets were concerned about? Money. What what do you want to hear? What what is it that you want to hear? What is it that you're going to enjoy? What can I I do to please you and say what can please you? And hey, if if you'll pay me, I'll do that. That's what they were concerned about. These prophets, these priests that were supposed to be the spiritual leaders, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets therefore thereof divine for money. All they were concerned about was money. They weren't concerned about whether they were really teaching the things of God or not. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Now think about that. Think about how how vain can you be? How vain and prideful can you be when you you can say, hey, I know God didn't say this, but I'm going to say it because I'm going to want money. But the reason why I'm going to do it is because, hey, we're God's chosen people. God's not going to do anything to us. God's not going to judge. We're God's chosen people. God's not going to do anything to us. And basically thumbing your nose in God's face and saying, God, I don't care what you do because you're not going to do anything to us because we're your chosen people. Can I say that's a pretty dangerous thing to say? That's a pretty dangerous thing to say, even for Christians today. Some of us Christians get that mentality. We get that idea, right? Well, I'm God's child. I'm a child of God. He's not going to do anything to me. I'll just, hey, I'm saved by grace, saved by grace, right? All my sins are forgiven, so I can just live how I want. God's not going to do anything about it. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous way to live. We're going to find that out in Micah. That's a dangerous way to live, right? The false prophets were simply preaching about God's gracious attributes without preaching about righteousness, without preaching about justice. But here's the thing, and, and again, tonight's just some, just some groundwork tonight, right? There's, there's two things that I wanted to, to pull out tonight about Micah as we, we kind of lay the foundation here. The first thing that I noticed as I read through the book of Micah and just was um, just thinking about Micah the first thing I noticed about him is not the message that he's about to give. 
Now it's it's a powerful message. We're going to see uh, uh, we're going to see some things. We're going to learn some things through the through his message to, uh, as we go through the study here. But that wasn't the first thing that stood out to me. Here's the thing that stood out to me about Micah, and we see it in verse number one. Right? What does it say? Micah, or the word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morristite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Here's what stands out to me. It's his faithfulness to God. His faithfulness to God. Again, we just mentioned it. Over 60 years, uh, Jotham was king for 16 years. Ahaz was king for 16 years. Hezekiah was king for 29 years. That's over 60 years. And Micah is faithful through this whole time. Micah's faithful. He's faithful. you say, well, pff, he's, he's a prophet. Well, hold on. Let's, let's go back to 2 Kings. Let's, let's look a little bit about what's going on during this time, okay? Go back to 2 Kings with me. 2 Kings chapter 16. Now, we know, as I mentioned, Jotham, or Jotham was a good king, right? Jotham was a good king for 16 years. But notice in 2 Kings chapter 16, notice in verse number 2. It says, 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign. By the way, could you imagine having a king that's 20 years of age? That's scary right there, right? Right? I mean, no offense to anybody that's 20 or around that age tonight, but um, they're just not the smartest kids on the block at that age. I'm speaking for myself. I was that, I was that age too, right? But 20 years of age and he's king, Right? And reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and watch, and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, again, the northern tribes, he's following their example, and made his son to pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Think about this. He's, he's telling us how wicked Ahaz was. Not only did he choose to, to worship false gods, not only was he offering uh, sacrifices and, and, and burnt incense anywhere and everywhere he could to these false gods, but he was even offering his own children as child sacrifices to these false gods. You say, well, is that really what it meant? Well, look over in the book of 2 Chronicles. In the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 28. 2 Chronicles, chapter 28. Again, speaking about Ahaz here, we're not going to read everything, but look in verse number uh, look in uh, verse number one. And Ahaz was twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was uh, he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire. What kind of father would take his child and offer them as a sacrifice and burn them in a fire to please a false god? 
That's how wicked Ahaz was, right? He says, after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel, he sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Go down to verse number 16. He says, and at that time did Ahaz, uh, King Ahaz send to the kings of Assyria to help him. For again, the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the souths of Judah and had taken Beshema and Ajalon and Gedaroth and Shokah with the villages thereof and Timnah with the villages thereof and Gimzo also in the villages thereof. And they dwelt there for the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah naked and transgress sore against the Lord until Gathpilnezer, king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and out of the house of the king of, and of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord." This is that Ahaz, for he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, so here's his words, because the gods of the kings of Syria help them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. Wait a minute. What does the name Micah mean? Who is like Jehovah? Who is like God? Here is Micah, even, even in his own name, trying to, trying to help. And, and Ahaz says, hey, you know what? Uh, and again, his, his, um, his destruction was because of his sin. But instead of repenting and turning to God, he turns to these other people and says, well, hey, because they have defeated me, maybe, their God, maybe it's their gods I need to turn to. This was that Ahaz, he says. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Assyria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessel of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every several city of Judah. He made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. So, so just in case you think, well, man, Micah had it easy, right? Micah, you know, I mean, hey, Jothan, he was a good king. And, you know, yeah, Ahaz was maybe not bad. But here's the thing. Uh, Ahaz was a wicked, wicked king. He was wicked. And through the, the 16 years of Jothan, Micah is faithful to God. And through the 16 wicked years of Ahaz, he is faithful to God. What we find here with Ahaz is something that I'm afraid that our country is following after. I'm afraid that when we look at our country, we see how wicked it is. And we, meaning Christians, respond in one of three ways. One, we put our head in the sand and we try not to think about what's happening. 
We look at our country and say, man, it's wicked. And we just try to turn away and hope that it just goes away. Somehow, if we ignore it all, it will make it all go away or make it better somehow. Or two, we pray that Jesus comes back today so we can get out of this wicked world. Right? Or three, we decide to be like the world and follow what they say. The problem is that none of these responses is what God wants from us. None of them. We're not just supposed to put our head in the sand and hope it all gets better. We're not supposed to even think, well, maybe, if, maybe God can just come and, you know, we're, we're looking for the rapture, right? Well, man, let's hope the rapture comes so we can get out of this wicked world. Can I tell you, that's not even the right response. And it's definitely not just going along with the flow and becoming like the world. Instead of, our putting, instead of putting our head in the sand and wishing it all away, or instead of wishing Jesus to come back today or becoming like the world, our response as Christians ought to be the response of Micah. What was his response? Intervention. Intervention. That's what we've really titled this whole series that we're going to be going through is Intervention. Micah saw the sin of the northern kingdom coming to the southern kingdom. Watch what he says in chapter 1. Go back to Micah, chapter 1. We read it, but watch what he says in verse number 9. He's speaking of the northern kingdom, right? In in verse number 5, for the transgression of Jacob is all this. Right? Jacob is referring to the northern kingdom, right? The ten tribes, right? And then uh, Israel um, is not Samaria. What are the high places of Judah? Judah is referring to the southern tribes. Verse 6, therefore I will make Samaria as in heap of the field. So he's, he's starting here talking about the northern tribes. He's talking about Samaria. He's talking about the northern tribes. But watch what he says in verse number 9. For her, her wound is incurable. It had already come to the time with Israel that God had said, all right, enough is enough. I'm done. I'm done with Israel. Micah says her wound, Israel's wound, the northern tribe's wound, their sin was incurable. They had had passed the point of no return. God said, "I've, I've given you time. I've given you opportunity to repent. I've helped you. I've been there with you. I've sent the prophets and you have refused. You've rejected. You've turned against me. You, you don't care. And so fine. Enough is enough. And Micah, as a prophet to the southern kingdom, recognizes that Israel's time is over. He says, for her wound is incurable. But watch what else he notices. For it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Micah says, here's the problem. Here's what's going on. I've watched and we've seen what's happening in the northern tribes. We've seen what's happened to all the kings up there. They've all been wicked. They've led the northern ten tribes astray. They're, They're wicked and everything they do is wicked. But here's the problem. We've allowed it to come home. We've allowed their sin to affect us. We've let their sin into our homes. And Micah says, I can't just put my head in the sand. Micah said, I can't just 
hope that God delivers us somehow. Micah says, I can't just just go along with the flow and just do what everybody else is doing. Micah said, I have to intervene. I have to do something. I have to, there must be something that I can do. And watch what happens. So what does he do? Does he just stick his head in the sand? No. Does he pray to get out of this world? No. Does he just go along with the flow? No. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Look in chapter 3, verse number 8. He says, but truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. You understand what Micah is saying? Micah said, I can't just sit down and do nothing. I I, I need to do something. And God is going to use Micah to, to try to intervene on Israel or on Judah's behalf. And Christians, what what is happening in our country today is we can say, yes, we can see the sin of the world and we can see that it's out there. But what happens is we just stick our head in the sand and we just say, well, I hope it's just going to blow over. I hope it's just going to go away. Or we can even try to be like, Lord, please come quickly, right? Save us out of this. Get us out of this wicked mess. Or unfortunately, many Christians are just now going along with the flow. When instead what God wants is for Christians to stand up and say, hey, we're not going to let sin come to our house. We're going to stand up and we're going to intervene. You say, how do you know that? How do you know that's what God wants us to do? I'm glad you asked that. That's a great question tonight. Look in the book of John. Look in the book of John. The book of John, chapter 17. In the book of John, chapter 17... Notice in verse number 13, John chapter 17, we find Jesus praying to the father. This is, and and sometimes I, I feel like we just, we miss what's really happening in scripture. John chapter 17 is one of the most amazing passages in all of scripture. You say, what happens? Nothing happens. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. But whose prayer? This is Jesus Christ praying and talking to the Father. We we get an inside look at Jesus Christ praying and talking to the Father. That's amazing. That God would allow us into that that special place to hear what Jesus has to say. Now watch, watch what he says or read what he says, right? In verse number 13, and now I come to thee. So he's talking, I'm getting ready to come back. And these things I speak in the world that they, those who believe might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy word or through thy truth. Thy word is truth as thou hast sent me into the world. Even so have I sent them into the world. Do you understand what Jesus just said here i know our time is running short but think about this in verse number 13 he says these things i speak in the world that they might have joy do you understand that jesus is saying that he wants his followers those who profess the name of jesus christ to have joy 
Now, let me ask you a question. How can you have joy if your head's stuck in the sand? How can you have joy if you're just like, oh, we just don't want to look and see what's going on. We just, we're just afraid of what's going to happen. We're just going to turn away and hope it all just goes away. You're not going to have joy. If you're just like, Lord, please come get us out of here. We just, we just can't. You're not going to have joy. And you're definitely not going to have joy if you're just going with a crowd. So how are we able to have joy? Because he says, I, these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy. In verse 14, 14, he says, the world hated them because they aren't of the world. Oh, there it is. That's, oh man, everything's so bad. The world, the world hates us. Do you understand the world has been hating Christians for over 2,000 years? Nothing has changed. He says, they hated me. And if you claim to be the name, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you know what they're going to do? They're going to hate you. They're going to hate you because they hated him. And if we are following Jesus Christ, they're going to hate us also. Huh. Well, that's, that's why we need to be taken out of here. Lord, oh, Lord, come quickly. We just need taken out of this world. No, that's not what he says. Verse 15, not, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Did you just, did you just read what Jesus just said? Jesus said, God, the Father, I'm praying, don't take them out of the world. And we're saying, God, please take us out of here. Jesus said, don't take them out. Dude, I'm praying not that they should be taken out of the world. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world. You know what that means? Don't go with the flow. Do not go with the flow. You're not of the world. Don't try to fit in with the world. Don't try to act like the world. You're not of the world. You're a Christian. Jesus expects you to be different. By the way, the world expects you to be different. What what do you have to offer the world if you're the same as they are? You have nothing to offer them. He says, look, you're not supposed to be of the world. You're not supposed to be like them. He says in verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. We're to be sanctified through the word of God, through truth. We're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And watch what he says in verse number 18. This is so powerful. As thou, he's talking to the father, as the father has sent me, Jesus says, into the world. Even so have I also sent them to bury their head in the sand. No. He said, I have sent them into the world. Do you know what? Do you know what God is saying? Do you know what Jesus Christ is saying? He's saying, Christians, I want you to respond like Micah. You have to intervene. You've got to be the ones to stand up and say, hey, we're not just going to go with the flow. We're not just going to go like the world. And we're certainly not going to come over here and bury our head in the sand and just hope everything passes. Because it's not. It's going to stay. It's been 2,000 years. The world hates Christians. They still do. They're always going to. You can't just think by burying your head in the sand that somehow it's all going to get better. It's not. It's not going to get better. Well, then we'll just pray for Jesus. He doesn't want you to leave. You understand that he doesn't. How many of you here tonight? You know what that means? He doesn't want you to leave yet. 
If you're here, he doesn't want you to leave. Why? Because he has a purpose for you. His purpose is for us to intervene. But unfortunately, so many Christians, we, we get like, man, the, oh, well, this is just, it's just horrible. It's just wicked. We're just going to hang on till Jesus comes. What? Why are we hanging on till Jesus comes? Jesus said, I am sending you into the world. I, I want you to go out there. I want you to be among them. Don't be them. Don't be the world, but be out among them. Intervene. Make a difference. This is what Micah said. Hey, I've seen the sin of the world. I've seen the sin of Israel. I've seen the sin of the Lord and King. And the problem is it's come home. And we let it into our homes. We let it into our lives. Instead of standing up and saying, hey, no, 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 no. We're not going to let this happen. No, no, no. We're going to stand for right. Well, it's just, it's just easier to go along with everybody else. It's just hard to take a stand. It is. It is hard to take a stand. But that's what Jesus wants. That's what he wants. It's not easy. The world hated him and the world is going to hate us. But he said, I'm sending you into the world. Micah said, God, what can I do? God said, I'm going to send you with a message. I'm going to send you with a message that you're going to proclaim. Micah, I'm going to use you for 60 years. I'm going to use you to proclaim this message. Why does God have you here? I'm not talking about here at First Baptist Church. Oh, well, that's a good place to be. Why does God, when, if you're saved here tonight, you know Christ is your Savior, why are you still here on this earth? Because God wants you to intervene. There has to be somebody that's willing to stand up like Mike and say, hey, I've seen the sin up north. I've seen the sin of the northern kingdom. I've seen the sin of our people. And the problem is, it's at the door of Jerusalem. It's at our doorstep now. Are we just going to open the door and let it in? Are we just going let it, to let it happen? Or are we going to take a stand and say, no, 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 no. It stops here. We are not going to open the door to this sin. We are not going to just let it go. We're not just going to become like the world. We're not going to put our head in the sand and just hope it goes away. We're not going to say, Lord, just get us out of here. No, we're going to intervene. We're going to stand. What is he calling us to do? He's calling us to intervention. Do we know what the end is? Yes. It's interesting. Micah did not know that Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, would be a good king. He didn't know that. He had no idea that Ahaz's son would be a good king. But he stayed faithful to God. He stayed faithful in the good times and in the bad times. He stayed faithful. Look, we know what the end is. We know it's going to continually get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to keep getting worse. But you and I, as Christians, are here now for a purpose. We're here for a purpose. Not to hide out. Not to hold on. No, we're called to intervene. Micah had no idea what was going to happen. 
No doubt during Jothan's reign, he's probably glad that the king was mostly following the Lord and was a good king. And then Jothan's son Ahaz becomes king. And it starts going downhill really fast. But he stayed faithful. And then Hezekiah becomes king. And a good king. But Micah begins to see something's changing. We've allowed the sin of the northern kingdom into the southern kingdom. We've allowed the sin of Samaria in Jerusalem. We've allowed the sin that destroyed the northern kingdom to begin destroying the southern kingdom. And Micah says, wait, I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see our nation destroyed. I don't want to see our homes taken and placed into bondage and into captivity. So God, if you'll use me, I'll stand. I'll intervene. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you excited about what's happening? Or does it bother you? I'll say this. I don't think anybody's excited about what's happening. But does it bother us? Does it bother us that our nation has allowed sin? Does it bother us that there is sin lying at the door? Are we just going to open the door? Are we just going to go with the flow? We're just going to plug our ears and say, la, 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 I hope it goes away? Or are we going to stand like Micah? Say, God, as long as I'm here, now, on this earth, you have sent me into the world to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And as long as I'm here, I want to intervene on your behalf. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed this evening. No one looking about tonight. Are we willing to intervene? Or have we responded in one of those three ways? We're just buried our head in the sand or plugged our ears and just hope it all goes away. We pray, Lord, come quickly. Look, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm excited about the Lord's return. Don't get me wrong. I, I, man, if the Lord came back today, praise God for that. But that's not what we should be looking for just to get out of this wicked world. Are we just going along with the flow? Or will we listen to what Jesus says as he's praying to the Father? Lord, don't don't call them out. Don't take them home. I'm sending them into the world. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, he is sending you into the world. We are to intervene. Because if we do not, friend, the wrath of God and the judgment of God is coming. And there are many people that still need to hear about Jesus Christ. What is our response? How will we respond? 
Will it be one of those three responses? Or will we, like Micah, say, Lord, I'm, I'm here. And as long as I'm here, I want to be used faithfully to intervene on your behalf. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts tonight. Lord, just as we've just touched, just touched a little bit of the surface of Micah, who is like Jehovah God? Lord, may we really understand what he's saying. Why would we want to follow the world when we serve Jehovah God? Why would we want to just stick our head in the sand and not do anything when we serve a God that has sent us into the world to intervene? And yes, Lord, we know it's not going to be easy. We know the world hates us just as it hated Jesus Christ. But Lord, we're here right now for a purpose. And until Jesus Christ returns, that purpose ought to be to intervene on the behalf of others so that they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, would you help us? I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed just sitting quietly where you're at. The piano's just going to play softly for a moment. Maybe tonight, God has spoken to your heart about something. 